How do we stay connected to God in the midst of so much anger and turmoil? Which is a transitional statement and question to today's topic. I saw Esau, the title of today is let go of your bitterness. Esau had a lot of anger and a lot of turmoil that was going on in his life and a lot of drama as a result of some loss and some grief. Let's bow for a word of prayer and we're gonna go right into the message, let go of your bitterness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we cannot get through this life without loss, without grief, without pain, without anger sometimes and, and turmoil. And we ask that you would, through this story, remind us how we can be uh, connected to you and one another as we preach today's word. In Jesus' name, we commit the sermon over to you. Amen and amen. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. Jacob, the younger of the two, swindled Esau, the older, out of his birthright and then deceived his father, Isaac, at the behest of his mother to steal Esau's parental generational blessing. Esau was angry with his brother and man, he had a right to be. I'll read you the verse that displays that statement I just made, and then we'll go to the New Testament to see a perspective about Esau from the New Testament, and then at the end, we'll come back uh, to Genesis. So let's start in Genesis, go to Hebrews, and come back to Genesis. We'll pick it up in chapter 27 and verse 41. Let's see what Esau's spirit is after losing his birthright and then being swindled out of his uh, parental blessing from his father, uh, Isaac, which took away his inheritance, his authority, the standing of his uh, position, as well as the firstborn uh, child. This is what it says in Genesis 27, 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. It says in that verse that Esau held a grudge, and it also shows us that he was now premeditating murder. In other words, when my father passes away, my brother's going to be soon behind him. Wow. Esau had a right to be mad as heck, but murder, that's too far. He had a right to be angry, but premeditated homicide, that's too far. Do you know the difference between being mad and being angry? Mad is being upset in the moment, but it, it subsides after the incident. Being angry on the, other side is, on the other side is not only being upset in the moment, but beyond the moment, and it sustains beyond the incident. In other words, anger stays. But when mad and angry have a baby, it's called bitterness. Bitterness is that small seed of anger that is nurtured in the womb of our hurting souls, causing us to harden our hearts towards someone for an extended period of time until they are finally locked in the dungeon of our unforgiving hearts. If I were to give you a sermon in a sentence, I would tell you that the big idea of this message is really simple. Bitterness births all kinds of bad. 
Bitterness births all kinds of bad. Try saying that 10 times. Can we talk about the bad that bitterness births? Well, in order to do that, let's go to, now to the New Testament. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, which, by the way, follows Hebrews chapter 11, where the different heroes of the faith from the Old Testament are mentioned by the writer to help inspire our faith. And we'll remember that Esau was in that blessing when it talked about Isaac uh, blessing uh, Jacob and Esau in chapter 11. But now we get to chapter 12 and we begin to see something else, don't we? If you go to chapter 12, we'll find out that this anger and, and this, this bitterness turns into something even greater. But what we're saying is that what bitterness will do, it will birth all kinds of bad. Bitterness gives birth to bad behaviors. Bitterness gives birth to bad attitudes. Bitterness gives birth to bad decisions. Let's talk about the, the bad behaviors, if you will, because they're there. In fact, go to Hebrews 12 and look at verse 15 and see what it says. When we talk about bad behaviors, we're going to see it right here. 12:15 of Hebrews, I quote, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. In other words, when bitterness takes root in your spirit, it will grow up and cause lots of trouble within you, but it will also affect others around you. Bitterness can have a harmful effect on you for sure, but it can also have a harmful effect on the people around you. A bitter mother can produce a bitter child who learns negative behaviors that have been modeled before the child. If parents model bitterness, children can pick those habits up as well. If parents model grace, kids can pick that up also. If you're single and bitter, marriage will not cure that. You'll just be married and bitter. You see, circumstances don't change bitterness. It can temporarily mask it. But circumstances don't change bitterness. That's why when you move from chapter 12, 15 to the next verse, verse 16, we begin to see what can, can happen, and we see it in Esau's life. It says, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless, here it is, like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Notice how it's connecting immoral behavior and godless decisions and behavior to Esau. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Esau's appetite for food caused him to lose his inheritance, and the same can be true for us. We can allow our appetites, and in this case our sexual appetites, to rob us of our birthright. So it's incumbent upon us to resist being godless and acting out sexually or emotionally because of bitterness. And twisted thinking says, I'm doing this bad to make someone else get punished because of the bad they did for me, to me, 
And so I do bad to pay them back for the bad they do to me. But instead of exacting that revenge on them directly, I exact those behaviors on myself. And that, as a result in my mind, is somehow hurting them. Listen. Did you know that if you're stuck in a bad behavior, the root of it may stem from bitterness? You're wondering why I keep doing this bad behavior. Did you know that it could stem from a bitter root? Not that you're a bad person, but because of the bad that has happened in your life and because of your own sinful desires for revenge, deep down inside your heart and your mind, is a root of bitterness. Have you considered that? I may have saved some of you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of counseling right there. If you attack the root, you will arrest the bad fruit. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture from my neighborhood, actually, and it's a picture of a stump. Now, this neighbor had been cutting down his own tree. Now, Amber and I got a couple of trees trimmed in our, in, in our yard, but this guy wanted to cut it down himself, and so they took hatchets and saws and, and everything to cut uh, this tree down and a part of their property, and, and finally they got down to that stump. And you can see in that picture, the stump is just right there. It took weeks, weeks. For them to finally, like they had people down there digging and pulling and, and chopping. And I think that he thought they'd be able to just cut it out. But those roots were so strong and so deep that it took them weeks to get it out. And guess what? That's a picture of how bitterness works underground in our lives. Bitterness not only births bad behaviors, but secondly, it births bad attitudes and those attitudes can be so rooted deeply in our lives. Bitterness can affect our heart attitude and sour our spirit. Listen to this proverb, Proverb 14.10. It says, the heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. In other words, strangers won't even know what's happening underground, but you can feel what's going on in your heart. The heart knows its own bitterness. Psalm chapter 73, verse 21 says this, I quote, my heart was embittered and I was pierced. Where? Within. It's something that happens inside of us. It's something that's deep down under the ground and the attitudes of our hearts are affected by deep pain. And if that pain is not properly mourned and, and healed, it can affect the attitudes of our heart. And Esau's heart was broken. He was so very hurt by his brother and his mother and even his father that when we now go back to Genesis and go back to Genesis 27, we began to see that, yes, he had a grudge and, yes, he wanted to kill Jacob. But I want you to know that if you go earlier in that passage, we see where that hurt and that pain and that anger comes from. In verse 38, this is what it says, Genesis 27, 38. I quote, Esau said to his father, do you, do you have only one blessing, my father? Like, do you have any you can give me? Bless me too, my father. Here it is. Then Esau wept aloud. 
You see, later it says he had a grudge and he wanted to kill his brother, but actually a few verses before that, it says that he wept aloud. In other words, anger comes after hurt. Hurt is what you feel. And so the deal with the hurt, we become angry and then we want to do something to somehow help the hurt go away by covering it with anger. So when you see people who are angry, mean, bitter, friends, that's just a root deep down in the system of their heart and their life. It doesn't mean that they're really a mean and bitter person. It simply means that they are hurt. And they are so hurt that the only way they can deal with it is by being mean. And that has become an automatic transmission from, from hurt to anger. And if you allow it to persist, bitterness. Esau was hurt. I mean, he was hurt bad. He was hurt so bad, he, he wept aloud, it says in 2738 of Genesis. He wailed. He felt so much pain and hurt. Maybe you have too where you have wept aloud, where you have wailed. And some of you, the pain is so deep, you can't even weep aloud anymore. You just have a very quiet and deep whimper. And I wonder if that's what Romans 8 talks about, the groans that sometimes words cannot even formulate when you're in prayer to God. Like you want to pray and you can't even pray and all you have are groans and mourns and whimpers. And that's when the Holy Spirit slides right in there and begins to intercede on your behalf with words that you cannot even express. But again, let me just say, if, if not properly and healthily mourned and healed, that pain will turn into anger and affect the attitudes of your heart. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred. Esau's hope was not just deferred. It was denied. It was dashed. It was destroyed. And as a result, he allowed his hurt to turn into anger. And from there, it metastasized into bitterness. Let me just pause and ask you, are you hurt? Are you in pain? Has something been taken away from you that you cannot get back? I am so sorry. I can't even imagine the loss and the hurt that you feel. But what I can do is give you a practical application and appeal from your pastor and your friend, and that is this, please get help. Don't compound your hurt with bitterness. Get help, get counseling. 
There's a national counseling group called ehomegroup.com. I, I know the people that run it. There's over 120 professional counselors, and you can meet with them in the privacy of your own home, your own car, your own office. It's right there on your phone or it's face-to-face -face with a laptop. You schedule, you, you meet with them, and they will walk with you in the midst of your, your pain. ehomegroup.com. Check them out. Look and see the assessment. See what they can do for you. And maybe you know somebody that needs counseling. You know somebody that has been hurt. And it's way beyond your pay grade and your education and your ability and your calling to try to be their therapist. Ehomegroup.com. Refer them there. What have we said so far? Bitterness births all kinds of bad, bad behaviors, bad attitudes, and finally, bad decisions bad decisions. In fact, you can see the first three letters of those words, right? Behaviors, attitudes, decisions. Bitterness births all kinds of bad. And how do we know about the decision part of the story? Whoa. Genesis 28, you just flip the page and it's unbelievable that we observe that Esau makes a major life decision out of bitterness. Esau made a choice to marry a woman out of bitterness and anger against his father. Let's pick it up in Genesis 28, verses 6 through 9. Listen to this. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Paran Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him not to marry. He commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Paran Aram. So uh, he's, Jacob hears from dad. Listen, dad. Uh, says to Jacob, whatever you do, don't marry a Canaanite woman. Stay within our, within our tribe. Stay within our family blessing, but don't, don't cross over because they have, different, they have different gods, and that would be displeasing uh, to me, all right? Stay within the blessing of Abraham and, and Isaac, and so make sure, Jacob, you don't marry a Canaanite uh, woman. And, and, and the connection of the tribe and the religion were interconnected, so he's saying, don't marry someone of a different religion because you won't have that blessing that comes uh, from our God through me. So, so Esau hears all this. You get to verse 8. Listen to what this says. Wow. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father, Isaac. Verse 9. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Nebioth, and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham. Bottom line, he went to get a Canaanite woman. In the last line, in addition to the wives he already had. Wow. Because of bitterness, Esau actually married someone to spite his father. He married outside of his tribe, not for love, but out of spite. How likely is it that some of the things that we do that we know we shouldn't do are motivated by bitterness, spite? and contempt within our hearts. See, vengeance causes us to make bad decisions. Have you heard it said, don't cut off your nose to spite your face? Esau was so bitter 
that he, that he would make a lifelong decision because of the anger he had against his father. In other words, he married a Canaanite woman just to flip his father off. And guess what? Some of you may be dating the wrong person just to flip someone off. Some of you may have chosen or choosing the wrong career just to flip somebody off. Making major moves just to prove something to someone else out of bitterness. And these decisions are not made out of passion. They're made out of pain. Here's the thing. How do you get out of that? How do you get out of that, that instinctual decision-making that's motivated by the way you feel about your father or by the way you feel about your mother or the way you feel about your parents or the way you feel about someone in your life who, who you feel like they've hurt you so bad that you're willing to make life decisions in order to counteract the very thing they did to you? How is it that we deal with the bitter root that is deep down in the system of our emotions and our minds and our hearts? Well, there's only really one answer to this. There's only one way to cut out the, the root of bitterness from your life, and it's one word, and it's not a good one. It's a good word, but you're not going to like it. You may even be mad at me for saying it, because it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem just. That's right. The F word. Forgiveness. If you can forgive and slowly move on, you can stop yourself from being victimized all over again by your own vengeance. If you can forgive, you can live again. But if you hold a grudge, like Esau held a grudge, you will discover that that grudge is actually holding you. Now notice, I said, forgive and move on, maybe even slowly. What I didn't say was forgive and forget. In fact, I don't think we should forget, and I don't like the phrase, forgive and forget. I like this better, forgive and remember. Forgive and remember that you forgave. Because forgiveness is not a one-time act. It's a process. Like, you can do it one time, but then it's only going to take about a week and for some of you a day and maybe an hour for you to be mad all over again because something triggers that. Angry and hurt all over again because you see a movie or because uh, you see somebody uh, at a restaurant or whatever it may be. So what you have to do is you make the decision to forgive before God, within yourself, maybe even share it with a friend. But remember... Every time you're triggered again to be angry because of what has happened, you have to forgive and remember that you forgave. I mean, how do you know even if forgiveness has sort of taken over the root of bitterness? How, 
how do you know if forgiveness is working? Because some of you uh, know that, that you said, Pastor, I forgive. And you said, God, I forgive him. And yet years go by and you wonder why you're still angry or why you're still dealing with the same issues. Well, I think one of the ways you know that forgiveness has taken root is you no longer desire to take revenge against that person. That may not happen right away. But you no longer feel like you want bad things to happen to that person to pay for what they did to you. Now, no one is saying that this is easy. In fact, it couldn't be easy, uh, harder than for a woman named Alana Prague. Now, Alana Prague is an Albanian woman who I met at the National Prayer Breakfast when I was facilitating a session. She came up to speak. And this Albanian woman, Alana, stood in front of this large crowd and told her story. She is the only female pastor in the entire country of Albania. And the reason she became a pastor was because her husband, who was a pastor, felt like God had called him to anoint her as pastor. Little did anyone know that he would be murdered two weeks later. But why was he murdered? He was murdered because of something in Albania called a blood feud. If someone hurts you and, and kills you, then it is your right and your duty to go hurt and kill someone else from their family. But you don't necessarily kill the person that killed you. You kill someone from their family, and usually you choose the youngest person or the most popular person so it hurts the most. And that's been going on for years in Albania. And her husband, who was a pastor, was the youngest and brightest of the family line. And because of some blood feud stuff that had happened before, someone in that family generation was going to be killed. So they exited and went to another country. And after a while, he felt like he was called to go back and pastor. So he went back and he began a church. God then told him to anoint his wife as pastor where there's no female pastor in the country, and he did. Two weeks later, after preaching, he walks out, and in the front of the church, he's murdered. Right in front of his 10-year-old son and his lovely wife. I tell you the story because one of the things that the husband said before they came back from Europe to go to Albania, to, he said, listen, if anything happens to me, promise me, all of his brothers, all of his uncles, promise me that you will not avenge my blood. And as a result, it stopped. And now she can come to the National Prayer Breakfast and speak about how she has forgiven because of the love of Jesus Christ in her life. It happened 11 years ago and just a few weeks ago while she was in the country. I went to have a meal with her and her son, who is now 21. And I looked at him. He's in an American college. And I said, you were 10 years old when this happened. How does it feel? And that was 11 years ago. And now you're a widow. How does that feel? And both of them talked about the power of Jesus in their life to be able, the hurt is still there, but to be able to take the message of their father and the message of Jesus with regard to forgiveness has the power to stop a country from blood feuds. Well, here's the good news about Miss Alana, Pastor Alana. I asked her if she'd come to our church 
and tell her story and preach the word of God as the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on that woman. And she said, absolutely. So the first week of our guest speaker series in February, you're going to meet Pastor Alana from Albania. And you're going to hear the details of her story. Why do I tell you that now? Because in all of us is a desire to want revenge. But there's another blood feud that is more powerful than human blood feud. And that's the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us so that we wouldn't spill each other's blood anymore. Send the people who hurt you to the cross. Let Jesus deal with them. Forgive them. And ask Jesus to forgive you. We forgive others as we ourselves have been forgiven. We forgive not because they apologize. We forgive not because they have changed. We forgive not because they feel sorry for what they did to us. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We extend grace because we have received grace. Justice is important, but just as I've been forgiven is even more powerful. And it all can happen because of the blood of Jesus. You might say, Pastor, there's just no way I'm going to be able to forget. You don't know what I've been through. You're so right, and I'm so sorry for what you have felt. But that grudge is only holding you. And those roots go so very deep. And what I'm asking of you is to at least talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm so upset. I'm so hurt. But I don't want this grudge to hold me. And I don't want this, this anger to be my God. It takes work to nurse that anger, doesn't it? It takes work to stay angry and mad, doesn't it? Let it go. Let go of your bitterness. By the way, we can see more about the story of Jacob and Esau because there's a lot that went on after that. But do you want to know kind of how it, how it ends? I mean, do you, guess what? Finally, the brothers meet. Jacob was scared of Esau. Decades, decades went by. And Jacob had been sort of like, I hope I never see Esau because, you know, he's going to kill me. That's why we ran. That's why we left. My mom said, leave. We left. Now we have wives and kids and families and like uh, this thing from the past. I hope it never comes back to get me. Have you ever had that feeling? I hope this thing from the past never comes back to get me because it will kill me. Well, guess what? Jacob heard that Esau was coming that direction. And all of a sudden he felt like, oh, my goodness, here it is. My, the other shoe's about to drop. The pain from the past is about to hook me in and kill me and take me down. So this is the opportunity for Jacob to just go ahead and uh, do what you had premeditated before. So you want to know what happened? Well, first of all, we know of Jacob's fear because in Genesis 32, 11, this is what it says. Jacob prays this. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. He's going to kill me and the family. It's a blood feud. Me and the families, all the wives, all the kids, our whole tribe going to be killed and slaughtered. But guess what? Without giving you all the details, you can read it on your own. Esau was blessed with wealth and a life that was manageable. So when he would finally meet up with his brother Jacob, he didn't kill him. Wow. He had the right, but he didn't do it. His birthright was taken. Didn't do it. Blessing was stolen. Didn't do it. 
Opportunity now to kill Jacob and not just him, everybody else didn't do it. And then you get to chapter 33. Here's the last verse that I, verses that I'll read to you, verses one through four. And I want you to notice how Esau handles the next meetup. Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. Verse 3, he himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother, sending him gifts and everything. And now finally the meetup is coming, and he's bowing down, bowing down, please don't kill me. I sent you all this, these gifts ahead, all my people are in front of me. You can see this all, all my whole life here. Don't, don't, please don't come from behind now and ruin everything. And here is verse 4. Are you ready for it? Man. Wow. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and didn't strangle him to death. Threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Last time we saw kissing, it was Jacob kissing his dad to betray Esau. Now we see Esau kissing his brother to say, we're good. This is a picture of forgiveness and reconciliation. In fact, sometimes we think the people who we hurt hate us so much that when they see us, they're going to harm us. But do you know that sometimes God is working in them too? I've had this in my own life, hurt by others, for, for them to come back a decade later, say, I'm so sorry, I, I did that, I, I engaged in that. You see, you don't know what God is doing in them. <laughs> if this is never a picture of, if this is not a picture of forgiveness and reconciliation, there is none better. Somehow, some way, God had blessed Esau and as a result, Esau was able to let go of his bitterness. How about you? You remember that picture of the stump that I showed you? Well, I went away for a week and I asked Amber while I was away, texted her, did it, the guy ever get rid of that stump? She goes, he's still working on it, he's still working on it. And then I uh, came home, uh, you know, a couple of days ago for an hour or so before leaving town again and, and uh, I was driving, it was about 7 a.m. in the morning and I'm driving and I saw that the stump was out. Let me show you the picture of the stump again. That thing is big and heavy and rooted deeply. But now let me show you of what it looks like now that the stump is gone. No more roots, clean on the top. It took work to get that bit of root out. He worked at it and he got it done. Now Amber and I cheated. Like I told you, we got some trees cut down. But we didn't, you, you're not going to see me out there, uh, uh, guess what we did? We paid for a service called a stump grinder. There are people that actually do this. They, they, they will come into your yard and they will use a machine to literally grind out the roots of a stump. For some of you, that's what the Holy Spirit needs to do right now in your life. Grind it out. Pull it out because it is hurting you. So I'm going to end with a prayer. But what I'm going to ask you to do is if 
you're dealing with anger or unforgiveness or bitterness in your life, I'm going to pray that God would unearth those roots in you right now. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. Stand up in your living room. If you're in a car, just raise your hand like you're standing up. If you're in the bed, get out of bed right now. Come on, get out, stand up, and text. Put it in the chat. I'm standing. You're either raising your hand or you're standing. But if you need this prayer over you, this is the time when you show a posture of God. I am receiving the help from you because I don't have the ability to stump grind my own rooted bitterness. I need you. If that's you, then put yourself in a posture right now of prayer. Stand to your feet, lift your hands, and receive this prayer. Dear God, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm inviting you and asking you and pleading with you, God, to do an amazing, miraculous work in the hearts of the people who are under the sound of my voice like you did in Esau. Somehow, Lord, you were able to change his anger, Lord, into being able to embrace his brother and to forgive and to reconcile. I pray that that spirit of Esau would now be in each person under the sound of my voice. I pray, God, that whatever hurt they have, that you would begin to heal it in them even through this prayer. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that a spirit of forgiveness would drop all over the land that a spirit of forgiveness to let people go from wh whatever it is that they have done and send them to the cross so that you will handle them and free us up. God, I pray that all throughout the world, for everybody under the sound of my voice, whatever continent they're on, whatever country they're in, whatever time zone it is right now when they're watching it, I'm praying by the power of the Holy Spirit that the blood feud that took place on the cross would cleanse them of their sins and free them from the bitterness and the hate in their hearts. So it's by the power of the Spirit that I pray this prayer in the name of the only one that can actually break chains and free us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube page and make sure you subscribe while you're there. To download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.